This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Europe, the end of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum, a Makan Shah, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetoch, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestin Echol. Vientalam Aginom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily. Again, you're listening to the news at one. As we've been hearing, farmer Michael Scott from Portumna in County Galway has been found not guilty of the murder of his elderly aunt, but guilty of her manslaughter. For the jury of six men and six women, it was a long deliberation. But after 15 hours last Thursday morning, they reached their unanimous verdict. Michael Scott was found guilty of the manslaughter of his elderly aunt, Chrissy Tracy. Throughout the trial, the prosecuting lawyers told the jury uh, that Michael Scott had reversed over his aunt in a deliberate act of murder out of a sense of entitlement and revenge. But defence lawyers said that what happened was an accident. Now, he has always claimed that what happened on the 27th of April in 2018 was a tragic accident. And yet, at its core, was a long-running dispute over 120 acres of the finest agricultural land after her brothers died, then the land was left divided between Miss Tracy and her nephew, Michael Scott, who farmed all of it and was described as having a, quote, almost childlike obsession with land. I'm Siobhan McGuire and on today's episode, I'm joined by Irish independent reporter Nicola Anderson to hear more. A 57-year-old farmer accused of murdering his aunt in a dispute about land pulled out a double-barrelled shotgun after her death and said he couldn't live with what had happened. The Prosecution claims Michael Scott from Gertray in Portumna deliberately drove over his 76-year-old aunt Chrissy Tracy with a JCB teleporter at the farm they co-owned. Nicola, you covered this case in the Central Criminal Court last week. So, two people at the centre of this. Michael Scott, a farmer in Galway, and his deceased aunt Chrissy Tracy. What did you see there? So we saw Michael Scott in the box, um, farmer, you know, wearing his anorak, wearing his jumper. We had his friend um, who was who had been accompanying him up and down on the train every single day from Portumna. And then at the back of the court, we had a loyal band of people from East Galway who had known Chrissy Tracy or Chrissy Tracy as they knew her as um, and had been very loyal to the family, had been in and out of their house, you know, down through the years and really wanted to be there just to make their presence felt. 
Yeah, you had a, an amazing piece in the paper with Ivan Murray last Friday, and it just told a really gorgeous story of Chrissy. This lovely old lady loved her little dog, loved the card games, really was kind of a pillar of the local community. Absolutely. I think everybody that was, everybody that gave witness you know, in the case, were, you know, warm about Chrissy. As an elderly woman, they were, they, they just seemed to really love her and, and they wanted justice for Chrissy. And I thought that was kind of very interesting, but she seemed to have been a really, a really strong woman. You know, we heard how she had won awards for her milk. She had raised geese, cattle, loved dogs. Was a, was a, all her carers loved her. She'd give out about the Maldi biscuits that her, that her, one of the carers would buy her in Aldi, but she'd eat them anyway. You know, they, they, there just seemed to be a real affection for her. Remind us of the verdict and a little bit about the case. Essentially, it all centres around uh, a land dispute. Yes. I mean, not the first time, you know, that, that there has been something like this. And it's kind of a story we're familiar with. I think even in legal argument, one of the barristers for the defence compared it to the, the, the field, which is, you know, kind of so hackneyed, kind of couldn't really use, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just so, you know, an obvious analogy. But And yet there is, there is something in that. Chrissy had had been, you know, had inherited the farm after the death of her brothers. Um, her last brother, Willie, whom she'd been very close to, um, died intestate. So there was no will. So that meant that the land was divided straight down the middle. Every blade of grass owned 50% between her and her nephew, Michael Scott. So that's kind of really where it began. And this was described in during the court hearing that this was prime agricultural land, Nicola. Now, you know, you and I are both from rural parts of Ireland. We understand the importance of land ownership. At one point, we heard that this land is so good that it's really almost like the Golden Vale land, which, I mean, every Irish person knows that that is, you know, the, the pinnacle of, you know, Irish agriculture. This was, um, there was 120 acres and then there was another 40 acres, I think, but the 120 acres swept down to the, the Shannon. So it was obviously very fertile. It was very good farmland. And I think that was, and it was a very lucrative farm. We heard that and it was very well run, always very well run. So it was a valuable farm. In fact, I think um, our farming editor um, Margaret Donnelly um, uh, kind of found out that it was worth a million euro this farm. Okay, yes, it's, it's a very expensive uh, piece of land. I say piece of land, 100, 120 acres. So uh, a very valuable piece of land. Very valuable piece of land, but also that's just a monetary value. I mean, we're not getting the the kind of the generational value, the fact that this is kind of steeped into the bones of the people who farm this land. It's more than just, it's not like going out and buying something. You know, this is this is part of them. And I think this is the bit that that causes the problem. Nicola, tell me about the verdict last week. Um, so the verdict last week came after a long time. I mean, this trial had begun in, in January, but it kind of was almost like a piecemeal kind of basis because there was so much legal argument. I think in the end, there was around 21 days of heard evidence. Um, so it had gone on for a long time. In fact, so long that the jury had, was it originally impaneled. She took 15 people rather than the usual 12, thinking that surely some would drop out at the end because of, you know, that they, they wouldn't be able to give such a long commitment. Um, but actually, as it turned out, that they didn't drop out and there had to be a kind of a ballot to, you know, remove three jurors who I don't think were particularly pleased having invested so much time. So the verdict came after four days of deliberations and, you know, quite a long, lengthy period. 
So Nicola, we can come back to a lot more of those details concerning Chrissy that we now know about. But can you bring us back initially to that day, the 27th of April in 2018, and what happened? So we heard that on the day that Chrissy died, um, her, her minder, Katrina Starr, called Miss Tracy's house at around lunchtime, you know, 1.50. Um, she had her dinner. She had a cup of tea with two biscuits that she'd been bought by, you know, her by her friend, Regina um, Donoghue. And at that point, we heard how, you know, how she had been grumbling about the biscuits and calling them mouldy biscuits, but she'd eaten them anyway. And um, Miss Starr left the house at around uh, quarter past two. Um, she recalled that Miss Tracy was listening to what she called jazzy music on Galway Bay FM. I doubt it was jazz. I'd say it was just, you know, lively music and was waiting for Miss Donahue to come and take her shopping. She was in great form and she was looking forward to going shopping. And Miss Tracy was sitting at her kitchen table with her with her key in her hand, as she usually would. And she had her pendant alarm around her neck. Then later on, we heard from um, Francis Hardyman, the neighbour, who said that he had got an, a, an agitated phone call from Michael Scott later on that day, saying that he had been setting out on the teleporter and had struck Chrissy and could he come down? So Francis Hardyman raced from Portumna down to Derry Heine, where he saw Chrissy lying on the ground with catastrophic injuries beside the teleporter. No sign of Michael Scott. Eventually found him weeping in a shed saying, I can't handle it, I can't deal with what's just happened to me. And um, he gra- grabbed his gun from his car. Then there was this tussle, um, you know, Francis was trying to take the gun from him and then eventually managed to take the gun from him after Michael Scott tripped over a tyre and he got the gun. What's a teleporter? I think, yes, for for the benefit of those who don't know, teleporter is obviously an agricultural vehicle. It's kind of a cross between a JCB and a tractor. It's got a big scoop and it's used, it's a very heavy vehicle. It's about 10 tonne, I think. And um, it's basically used for fencing or, or calf nuts or, you know, anything heavy that needs to be done. This is your thing. And Nicola, what did Michael Scott do when he realised he had hit his aunt? So in Garda interviews, uh, Scott told about how he had knocked his aunt down in her farmyard. He got down off the JCB and on finding her on the ground said, are you all right, Chrissy? Oh God, what misfortune. And he claimed she was breathing heavily but wasn't able to talk. And he asked, he was asked if, he, if she could recognise him and, and he replied, I don't know, shocking, your only aunt. He said he didn't notice any injuries and he hadn't tried first aid because I wouldn't know anything about that. Um, however, uh, one of the first Gardaí on the scene uh, told about witnessing catastrophic injuries um, and, and Chief State Pathologist Linda Mulligan said that uh, Miss Tracy's injuries would have resulted in almost in- instantaneous death. They from the outset said that it was, you know, a, a tragic accident and he'd been asked about the dispute and if, you know, his dispute with Chrissy, and he said it was fine and that they only argued over basic things. However, we did hear this long history documented in legal letters um, and, and from her solicitor telling us about how the dispute had gone back to really 20, 2014 when she realised that she wasn't getting the rent that she should have been getting for the parcel of land at Kiltormer and that escalated then in 2017 when she wanted to normalise things and, and, and lease out the land because she had only been getting 6,000 rent for that farm and we realised then, we heard in court that she, that, that what she should have been getting was 13,000. Okay, so massive difference there. Um, I'm going to ask you to tell me about uh, Bradley. 
Oh, Bradley, I have to dog. say this aspect of the case last week really, really broke my heart. Yes, I think that was quite upsetting. And it was something that the jury really, I suppose, didn't hear to, you know, a lot of it was heard in legal evidence. So Bradley was Chrissy's dog. Chrissy had inherited this dog who became almost like a child to her, we heard from various witnesses. We heard of him as being a kind of an overweight Jack Russell terrier who slept on a cushion at the bottom of the range. And, you know, he was kind of, he never left the house. This was... This was what was strange about his disappearance eight weeks before Chrissy's own death. He disappeared from the locked house while she was in daycare at Portumna. You know, very mysterious. We heard that that Chrissy had had blamed Scott squarely for the disappro- disappearance of Bradley, and uh, but we never got to the bottom of it. So this is her her, her best pal, it was essentially. Her, it, exactly, going that's what missing. we heard. He was her best friend and she was never the same after he died. And I think one of the carers produced a new dog, but it wasn't the same. You know, Bradley, they, they had the same kind of existence. I think they were happy in the warm kitchen. They both liked the, the heat. This new puppy had to be taken out for walks. You know, she was pretty immobile. So I think it was probably quite a difficult transition for her to make. Bradley suited her perfectly as a pet, perfectly. And this is a woman who spent her entire life on the family farm, clearly loved the agricultural life, clearly loved uh, working on the farm. Her two brothers, we know, were meant very much to her. Uh, I think you described in that article, Nicola, of how she was a bit of a, a mother figure to both of them. And when they passed, she kind of fell into a little bit of, of depression herself. Mm-hmm. She had never suffered from depression up to that point. But then when she lost her two brothers, you know, things weren't the same. A house that had been full of life for as long as she had known it and full of bustling industry and, you know, people coming to play cards and that no longer existed. So I think that's why she fell into a bit of a slump. But I think people were very, you know, witnesses were kind of quite clear that she always came out of the slumps too. You know, she'd, she'd, she'd get into a bad patch, but then she'd kind of rally, you know, and, and she did have her... She, her family were all gone at that point and yet she almost created her own new family you know with all these carers and her even her agricultural advisor and her solicitor they all clearly loved Chrissy and all the neighbours so, so she wasn't alone. So Nicola tell me a little bit about Michael Scott he was the nephew but what else do we know? So Michael Scott is, um, he he's a father. He's a, He has young children, you know, ranging in their late teens to early 20s, I think. He's married to Cora, a dairy farmer. And we heard during the trial that he was obsessed with the land, had an almost childish, you know, attraction to the land and that that's all he thought about, that he was obsessed. A very successful farmer, we did hear that. He's a hard worker, a very, very hard worker. And he inherited half of the farm with Chrissy on the death of her brother, um, so they were owning the far- they owned the farm 50-50. And then there, there seemed to be a, a, a dispute that developed between him and Regina Donoghue, who he saw as a bit of a rival and actually did turn out to be his rival because, you know, she's now Chrissy's sole heir. So now they own the land 50-50. Regina Donoghue, we heard, um, she's, a farm- she's from a farming background herself, you know, not too far away. She went onto the Tracy farm as in, in her youth as a trainee maintained her friendship with Chrissy and, um, you know, that then became her sole heir at the end of it all. Um, had a dispute, we we know, with, with Michael Scott because she didn't approve of the way that he treated Chrissy. 
It culminated then in a day in court, um, which again, the jury were not aware of. Regina was given evidence and um, she, when she was passing by um, Michael Scott in the box, he hissed at her, uh, you know, a foul word, which the judge became aware of and said that, you know, that it was absolutely appalling and that, you know, a very foolish man to be, you know, up on trial for murder and to be abusing a witness in this way. So we get the verdict last week um, and this is after 15 hours of deliberation by the jury. Were they deadlocked, Nicola? Do we know? I think they were. I mean, obviously we're making, that we're speculating because we, we, you know, you can't ever talk to the jury afterwards. So we don't know what the problem was, but it was clear that there was a problem because from the outset they asked what's the possibility of a majority verdict and that was on day one of the deliberations. The judge obviously told them that, you know, you're not at that stage yet, you know, you're going to have to wait and see. So the days went on, you know, we came into court and we thought, OK, today, but, you know, another day would pass. So it actually went into four days. Um, on Wednesday, they finally were given the option of a majority verdict. So, again, we thought, OK, that'll come back, you know, fairly quickly then. But no, it went into the next day. So obviously they clearly were deadlocked because every time that they would come into court, you would see that their faces were quite tense. People were sometimes shaking their heads and, you know, I don't know what the issue was, but there was an issue. It's really interesting because you sat in on this that we get a flavour almost of what it was like in the courtroom. Uh, What does this charge of manslaughter now mean? Um, Michael's expected to be sentenced, is it in June? June the 12th sentencing. Um, So the difference, I suppose, between manslaughter and murder is that murder, you know, he had to have the motive and he had to have the, the, the desire Whereas manslaughter, it was an accident, and that's what the jury have deemed this to be—that he that he killed um, Trace or um, Chrissy Tracy by driving recklessly, by driving the the teleporter recklessly and not looking where he was going. Michael Scott is now out on bail. Um, he he's allowed to get his affairs in order yeah. um, in advance of the sentencing. Judge uh, Caroline Biggs said that that there was quite a lot to organise, you know, in terms of livestock, in terms of, you know, caring for his children and and the business. So all that needs to be sorted out. So she has given him quite a quite a long period, really, I suppose, June 12th to sort out his affairs. But she warned him in a way that, you know, that he wasn't to expect, you know, to be to be allowed out indefinitely. So, Nicola, Last week, what was the sense uh, in the community about all of this? I think there was a sadness in the community, you know. This was a great woman whom they loved and who is now gone, you know, that the house is is empty, you know. Um, but, But there's also that affection and that love they had for her lives on. You know, again, as I said, you know, there were many people from East Galway and they were there for Chrissy. One woman I was talking to said, I'm wearing lilac today because she was wearing lilac on the day she died. And I just thought, oh, she hasn't been forgotten. You know, they have not forgotten Chrissy Tracy. And she lives on in a way. And my thanks to Irish independent reporter Nicola Anderson for joining me today. I'm Siobhan Maguire and this episode was produced by myself, researched by Tabitha Monaghan with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from RTE and independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.